Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movie is our Nightmare City and City of the Living Dead. Two places you don't want to buy a house. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Damn it, what's that? Why is my brain not fucking working? When does it one of my favorite fucking actors? He's the fly? He's... Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum. For fuck's sakes. My brain, my brain just erased that name. It was like, no! But, uh... They got Jeff Goldblum at a horror convention to read a little uh, a little stinger for their show, and he like it, it intentionally fucks it up. He's like the Deedites. Are you guys like a real estate company? <laughs> um, and they've been using it for ten years. I feel like I should just we should just use all the ones that uh, I got for Drunken Zombie because they were all pretty good. And I just feel sad that now they're just going to waste. Like, we could have Roddy Roddy Piper intro the show. If we could, if we could get Julie involved in this and she could do, like, it's Roddy Roddy Piper you're listening to, and then she sticks her voice in with the Midnight Drive. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty funny. Uh, or the one that we got from Adrian Barbeau, where she called us drunkyzombie.com. And we didn't we didn't bother direct correcting her so that we no, just you, know, that you, one. you guys are not qualified to correct Adrian. You should have no. corrected your website name is what you should have done. <laughs> like, well, it's com now. What's going on? This list seems to be short one uh Ghoulies three. It's, we're not doing Ghoulies. Let me just let me just Doug, adjust this list it, really fast. No, Doug, the, will, Doug will quit the show. <laughs> it was the rule is that we do not do stuff that was covered on the previous incarnation of the show which means if it was covered on the last horror cast i don't have to watch it again i don't i don't think that this rule is actually a thing i think you guys just keep using that rule as as a weird plop in excuse when you don't want to watch a movie you're correct but it was a rule we discussed at the beginning of the at the outset of the podcast and you're you're outvoted so if you want to take a vote on it You're more than welcome. Fine, then we'll just watch Ghoulies one three times. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Sorry, Doug, you're about it. I've never seen Ghoulies one. I... <laughs> oh, see, that's why you can't appreciate the nuance of Ghoulies Go to College. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't experience their full story arc of why they want to go to college. You really need that deep, rich history and lore of the Ghoulies franchise. <sighs> Maybe I should just do your goalies bullshit next week when I'm not here. Well, no, we don't have an intro for it yet. Yeah, 
you got to do it without an intro? When you guys didn't show up for a week, I managed to put together a show regardless of the lack of intro. Oh, hey, you know what? I've still got that munchie sitting there that needs a teammate. It's, that's going to be munchies and ghoulies now. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen munchies either. I think I think you will not like I think you will not like ghoulies, but I think you might actually kind of like uh, munchies in a weird way. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw it when I was ten, and I remember thinking it was awesome, but I haven't seen it since then. So it's it's interesting rewatching it just because it's it's this weird hyper stylized thing. It's it's almost so fucking surreal. It takes you out of the movie. I just remember him going, Munchie, all the time. That you're thinking of the wrong movie. <laughs> really? That is, that, is, that is Munchie, not Munchies. No, I swear, because I've never seen Munchie before. Or have you? Munchies is it. the one that it's kind of a gremlin's knockoff, and if they get electrocuted, yeah. they turn to stone. Yeah, I've seen that one. I don't recall them talking. I Maybe mean, I'm wrong. I mean, it's like gizmo talking. It's not like sentences or anything i don't know this isn't if you like chop them up or something they also multiply and like each body part sprouts a whole new body yeah that sounds right yeah. like a starfish i like that that's that sounds like an interesting idea yeah so, I mean, so now when it goes on the list it's officially a, a group dis- discussion and brian gets, <laughs> <laughs> brian gets the credit for that one <laughs> uh, so it's irrelevant that i put it on the list six months ago and I've just never came up with a movie to put with it. Yeah, because Doug never wanted to watch Ghoulies, but now he's come around to at least attempting to watch the first one. Um, I, I, I'm not coming around to anything. I absolutely refuse to watch Ghoulies 3. And mm-hmm. I have no particular interest in watching any other Ghoulies movie because of how bad Ghoulies 3 was. So I, I think we've brought it up before and you have tried to veto any of the Ghoulies franchise. Well, I know for a, I know for a fact that that it. hasn't happened because if that had happened, it would be on the list by now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can, <laughs> I can tell you one on thing. Those, the, the three Ghoulies movies, each one is a completely fucking different thing. I believe you mean the four Ghoulies movies? Yeah, four. Nobody talks about four. It doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, but, like, it's the same creatures... And that's it. Like they completely, it has nothing. They just have nothing to fucking do with each other. I I already knew that, and I haven't seen any of the movies. It's pretty obvious that nobody was putting any thought into those whatsoever. Well, I mean, they're Charles Band stuff, so. Yeah. Can we do Charles Band? Can we get Tony back on to discuss them? Only if he'll tell his story on here. Don't you you try to leave me out of the fucking Munchies episode. I will stab you. No, <laughs> that's my favorite thing ever. I'm gonna try to get you get that done when you're not here. It's gonna be fun. That would make me so sad. Good lord! Uh, Didn't you try to do that to me this week by picking movies I wanted to watch and then trying to schedule one of my here? You just bad. No, only because you tried to plot on me. You tried to plot on me, so I tried to plot on you back. But my plot backfired. <laughs> really, I just made everyone happy. <laughs> damn damn me and my essence of happiness is that what happened you thought Doug was going to be gone this week so you picked movies you wanted to watch I did <laughs> I was wrong it's next week my timing was all off <laughs> plans foiled it was pretty funny when he realized it too <laughs> <laughs> 
I haven't listened to the episode yet. I just like quickly spot check to find where to put like the the edits. Yeah, I was gonna so, say you edited it. I like that our editing gets done without you feeling the need to listen to it. Nah, I found like what I thought were good spots. I'm this like, bit doesn't seem important. I was like, we usually talk for about fifty minutes about the main review of the two movies, so I just jump ahead and try to find a good spot and figure out where the uh, where the uh, other stuff we watch ended. And then you just edit it all together and you're good to go. That's how it shows me. Curtain. <laughs> so the listeners are all going to know our secrets now. Yeah. Uh, Brian doesn't listen to the show while editing it. No. That's why things don't sound good. Yeah. We're going to make it like a behind the scene episodes and it's a little, literally going to be like two minutes of us going, yeah, fuck it. I don't, I don't know. Thing on it. Just, is that a good spot to end the show? No. Well, then you say something funny. <laughs> yeah, I literally, uh, it literally takes me about half an hour to edit the show, and ma- most of that is just waiting for stuff to, to uh, decode into the editor. So. Well, speaking, we speaking of which, speaking of which, I take two weeks off, and you guys are losing listeners apparently. No, we just lost credibility, not listeners. I don't know. That dude said he was going to stop listening to Alex, dude. He's like, I'm done. Oh. Are you talking about the guy who was mad that we didn't like Cool Hand Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't care. <laughs> well, I don't... You notice he didn't I, offer any counter-arguments. That's, that's what I, I would know. say. If you're going to lose it on us for our review, you should probably send in some feedback with your counterpoints. I was going to say, I even specifically posted on there that I wanted, he said we missed the point, and I was like, well, what's and I, like, I don't know, I actually went back and re-listened to last week's episode, and I think I say that I get what the point of the movie is supposed to be, I just don't particularly think it's executed well. So, unless oh, that the point I was saying was wrong. I am rereading his post. I feel like this has been edited since the last time I saw it. Uh oh. Controversy. Because hmm. it says, Noah and Doug, you really missed the point of Cool Hand Luke. You have lost all credibility as far as film critics go. Boo on you. And I swear there was a follow up that said, like, you're going to lose, like, you've lost, you might lose more listeners or something. I don't know. I'm one of the few listeners and. It sounded like he was he was gonna bolt because he didn't like your review. I feel like that is gone now. Oh, so now he's listening to this and he's gonna bolt because we're criticizing him on our show rather than talking probably, about probably. <laughs> I mean, we'll get rid of this. We'll get rid of this Alex guy one way or another. We tried last week and it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, I'm not criticizing him for for hating my opinion of movies because I hate a lot of people for their opinions of movies. <laughs> like. That's a cool thing to hate somebody for. I just, I just want an answer to my Facebook post because I don't. What the fuck is the point of Cool Hand Luke? I'm still lost. Yeah, I never got to watch it. So send in, send in an email, Alex. Let us know what the point of that movie was, and uh, don't get Eric to send it in for you because then we'll never get to read it. You <laughs> <laughs> send in a voicemail review of the movie. We'll play it. Counterpoint us. Point counterpoint. Let me, uh, by the way, let me check the spam folder just in case Eric wrote like a written <laughs> email and we didn't know. Gotta do that every once in a while. Let's see. 
Well, spam folder says we have two messages. Let's click on it. Uh, go live, monetize, and engage with your fans. Uh, and official request for professional consultants in USA slash Canada. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's some quality spam. They know that some of us are in USA and some of us are in Canada. That's that's pretty good. So no Eric. So He did send a voicemail, though, so we'll listen to that later. But we had to go through like 50 steps to get it because <laughs> Google has declared war on Eric for some reason. His yeah. at Mac address. That's probably all it is. <laughs> just... uh, get a Gmail, just like every other person on the planet. Just submit to. Just get a Gmail account just to send to us. Like that's the only thing you're going to use it for. Um. All right. So, who picked uh, who picked the movies this week? I'm assuming Noah. Even oh, yeah, right. we, we just talked about that because he thought Doug wasn't going to be. <laughs> uh, well, why don't you tell us about Nightmare City? Uh, so Nightmare City is a movie about a reporter going to report on this uh, scientist guy specializing in atomic radiation, blah, blah, blah. Plane lands. Everybody's being all weird. Plane door opens. Mutant super atomic blood drinking stab zombies come out and uh, proceed to run everywhere, stabbing and drinking blood while he very kind of slowly at first gets away from them. Just like almost like one room at a time in a weird way. Uh, and that's it. Like, that's the whole movie. And then and then his wife falls off a rope and bounces off a bunch of bars. <laughs> and then, and then, he there's a, then there's an applause break in the film so that you have time to stand up and cheer for that scene <laughs> right and and then of course he wakes up and we get to watch the first 10 minutes of the movie over again because it was a nightmare but it's a nightmare coming true because it's nightmare city Ooh, so the, nightmare, the nightmare becomes reality dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That is obviously that was written in another language and translated to English. The nightmare becomes reality. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing here, but that's not how we would choose to word things. If you're as us native English speakers would find a different way to say that. Yeah. But, but essentially this is a good old fashioned Italian horror movie with no plot to it. It just has like a, a device and then it just fucking goes. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy with your plot description because I fell asleep about halfway through the movie. Oh no! Woke up with like ten minutes left, and it sounds like I did not really miss anything. No, you missed lots of good zombie action or atomic. Right, zombie. that's what I'm talking about. The, the zombies run into rooms and and then they stab people and then they drink their blood, and then you wash, rinse, repeat, and then occasionally <laughs> you punctuate that with somebody managing to kill a zombie. Yeah. That's that's good zombie in right there. There there is one like uh, explanation scene in the middle where like a military scientist gets up and he's like he's, he uses a bunch of big words and somebody's like, Can you dumb that down for the audience? And he looks into the camera and he's like, Yeah, the radiation turned him into this. If they bite other people, they'll turn into it. And uh you gotta shoot him in the head. And that's it. That's <laughs> that's the, the dramatic scene in the movie is that. 
he it could have it would only have been better is if that guy looked deadpan into the camera and it wasn't in an interview setting and he just goes Ramiro zombie rules apply. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes these are Romero zombies. They move all slow and stuff, and then other times they can use tools and they run and do other things, climb ladders. So it's, in- yeah, it's a little inconsistent, but since it's all in the guy's head anyway. I did find it interesting that these zombies use knives and guns and yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff. Just whatever they feel like and whatever is convenient for the moment. Because yeah, and I guess I guess in a certain way. They're kind of like a hybrid of a zombie and a vampire because they never like eat anybody. They're just they're just it's stuck in them blood. sweet sweet wound bloods. Yeah, part of the part of the explanation that that scientist gives is that they're blah 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 blah, so they have to drink human blood to replenish their own thing. Hmm. It's it's real bad like movie science. I don't think it made any sense, but it like I don't because I think it's that whole thing where you you'd hide like their blood is tainted, so they have to drink your blood to replenish theirs, but that's not how it works. Things you drink don't go straight into your bloodstream, so <laughs> it doesn't actually make sense, but whatever. It's not important. Now, now, Brian, you don't sound too excited about this movie. Uh, no. That makes that makes me really sad. Uh, I, I fucking love this movie. I feel like, well, we're gonna find out that I, uh, maybe I just I'm, was not in the mood for an Italian zombie movie day today. Uh, I don't know. There's some of the zombie stuff was kind of cool, but everything else I was just kind of bored with. Obviously, bored enough that I fell asleep for like oh, half the movie. I was gonna say the one the one nice thing about this compared to most uh, Italian zombie movies is Italian zombie movies tend to be like uh, real, real slow. Mm-hmm. They, they have the big kills and stuff, but they tend to be long in getting to them. And this this is the exception. This is like ah, Whoa. <laughs> twenty people dead. Ah, look. This is like an Umberto Lindsay film, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing about that guy is he made exploitation versions of exploitation movies. That was his <laughs> career. So this this is the guy that watched Cannibal uh, Holocaust and went, ah, maybe we should make that a little bit uh, dirtier and grimier. So why don't we make Cannibal Ferox out of it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's who's making this movie. So he literally saw all the other movies, including the next one, going to talk about like city of is, is he's that pronounced ferox like, i don't know sure is, isn't it Ferro? i don't know i don't care. I, i'd always heard ferox but i have no idea I, yeah i think i've actually heard both before but i've always said ferox and you're the first okay. person to ever try and correct me um no i just i always thought it was cannibal Ferro. no i don't somebody more uh, smarter than us please let us know yeah, yeah. I, was just, I was just curious. I wasn't correcting you. I just... Huh? No, um, it, it, anyways, like, like my point is he makes these movies that are just this over-the-top exploitation. And this movie is that. It's typical Italian zombie movie just exploited up. <laughs> just, just let's get rid of the plot scenes and the atmosphere scenes and just have more and more of the attack scenes. And the... The way I would describe this film to somebody who's never seen it is I would say, okay, so about 20 minutes into the movie, the zombies show up at a TV studio. And it's the third time we've clipped to these girls who are dancing. Is that about right? Sure. So third time we've seen these girls dancing in their bathing suits. 
one of the zombies stabs a girl in her tit and starts drinking the blood right out of it. And I'm like, wow, that's this is definitely an exploitation film. That's where we're going with this one. Eh? 30 seconds later... It? Does he even stab it, or is it the one where he just like cuts the front of her boob? That's, that's where I was going. The, ne- okay. the next zombie then cuts the girl's breast right off and just starts drinking blood right out of that wound. And I'm like, okay, I apologize to... Umberto Lindsay for referring to the stabbing a girl in the breast as an exploitation cinema tactic. <laughs> Clearly cutting the breast off. This is the exploitation part of it. And the movie just doesn't slow down from there. And it, none of it makes any sense. So if anybody wants to use that as a criticism of this film, like, wouldn't these guys, these zombie things show up at the airport, not exactly explain which one of them still had the mental capacity to fly a plane. And then the reporter that's there runs back to the TV studio and they immediately are back at the TV studio. But did they follow him somehow? Or is it just a coincidence? Not explained at all. <laughs> Nor does it need to be. I was going to say, the pacing, the pacing of this movie, it seems like this zombie plague is fast as balls. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, at the end of the first day, they're like, parts of the country have been sealed off. And you're like, alright. So this is just happening everywhere now? Because <laughs> it was this one plane load of atomic zombies that showed up. I don't understand where else... How like Is the implication that there were more of these planes that landed in other places? or It doesn't matter. None of it's explained. None of it makes sense. How would it... It doesn't even... Even just the very concept of that plane coming in. And they're like, whoa, it's, a Her- it's like a Hercules uh, military aircraft, but it has no markings on it, so we don't know what country it's from. The fucking did these zombies go out there and scrape <laughs> off, off like must sneak up on Americans? Like it doesn't make any fucking sense, and it doesn't have to, right? Like that's not the point of this movie. The point of this movie is they keep eating people. Well, they're, there's there's the insinuation that the government did it. But, defined government did it like they didn't cause this outbreak like they were doing some experiment somewhere yeah well yeah yeah that they were doing some experiment and that that was a that that was their military's plane because the the first thing that happens is he goes straight to the news station and tries to do a report about these things coming off this plane and that they're killing tons of people and that we need to like lock shit down and that military guy comes in and just shuts him down he's like nope you can't talk to anybody about this world ending calamity that came off of a military plane. Nope, nope, you'll cause a panic. Nope, nope, nope. I think you're putting too much thought into this film if you think that that happened because that was their plane. I think it's just just another thing that happened by coincidence. Well, I just That's- love that they, they think that those uh, like dance TV shows are filmed live. Which is- <laughs> and then something like this happened, they just go in the studio, they're like, hold on, we're going to take a break. And everybody's like, oh, what the fuck? I was going to pull off my... Sweet, sweet dance moves. <laughs> One of the compliments I was going to give this movie is it fucking just hits the ground running. Like, you're in full zombie mode within the first, like, five minutes of the movie. Yeah, and you're out of full zombie mode never. Like, it's the whole movie is this. And they just keep coming up with more wacky scenarios for these, like, atomic zombies to break into. I refer, I refer to them as atomic zombies because they're not technically zombies, so I just yeah. this term for them infected or whatever yeah um but it's just yeah like at one point like so the the reporter guy he goes to get his wife who is a uh, a nurse he goes to the hospital to get her and the zombies just show up there naturally right like why wouldn't mm. they and it's like you literally get a scene 
They burst into an operating room, and the fucking doctor throws a scalpel at them like he's fucking Chavez from Young Guns. Just nailed the zombie too. I know it's awesome, but he doesn't get him in the head. So the zombie pulls it out and then just proceeds to stab the doctor with it. (laughs) It's like this movie was batshit insane. I really love the the scene of the people stuck in the elevator that are all bitching and moaning about being stuck in the elevator and finally like they get out of the elevator and are immediately accosted by all the zombies. And it's like, ah, fuck, fuck you for bitching. You should have stayed in the goddamn elevator. You dicks. Yeah, no, it's just, and it's just constantly that. It's just, they just move from like different locations and have this kind of stuff happen until they finally end up in, in an amusement park somehow. <laughs> zombies are chasing them up a roller coaster. Also, my, my theory of this movie is that it, stars Richard Dreyfus from an alternate universe <laughs> where he got addicted to drugs and had to turn to porno. Weirdly, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at a picture of young Richard Dreyfus and that guy, you're like, oh, that's the sleazy Italian version of Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, like Richard Dreyfus from Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Much. Okay. <laughs> Alright. I hadn't put that together, but I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> But what what else what else do we like about this movie? That lady fucking hit those bars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ladies, no, you say- no, you don't you don't fucking understand. That may be my favorite horror movie death in all of cinema is her falling because it she doesn't hit a thing. She hits like eight things. <laughs> all while he's screaming, no, no, bang, bang, bang. Well, I just like that you call it this lady when it's obviously a dummy that was oh, yeah. thrown out. It was oh, yeah, very much a sex doll in in human clothing. It was it was pretty much the same like quality of special effects as the scenes from Married with Children. They, they always have butt fall from their bed. <laughs> oh, I'm always on board for a Married with Children reference. <laughs> It's just, it's so, it's so long. It's gotta be 35 seconds of her falling and hitting every fucking bar in that structure. It's, oh yeah, like, and it's, and it's like the lead up to it is, it's done in such a way that if you're a sick fuck, which I am, you're like rooting for it. Cause she's like hanging from this rope and she's like, I'm, I'm going to fall. And they're like, no, hold on. We'll help you. And she's like, I can't reach. I'm going to fall. And they're like, no, hang on. I'm going to fall. And you're like, just fall, fall, fall. And then when she finally does, you're like, yes. <laughs> there, there she goes. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> it's so, and I get, I get that it's a bad special effect and that it's clearly a mannequin. But oh, yeah. just it, it's so effective though, because it really does look painful. You're like, oh fuck, oh shit, <laughs> that would hurt so bad. Well, the thing is, like, it's a bad special effect, but so is every other special effect in this movie. I mean, the the zombie characters look like they just like wipe some peat moss on their face, and some of them didn't get enough, and some of them got a little too much. I don't know. I think the makeup's bad, but I th- I think most of the uh, blood and gut stuff is all pretty passable. Some of it's okay. The tit cutting off, that was pretty good. Um, some of the gunshots to the head are okay. Some aren't. I mean, they've got blood-colored blood, and for a 70s movie, that's always like... Well, the film came out in 1980. Automatic, automatic points. Well, 1980 is 70s, goddammit. 
Why do we? Why does everybody keep saying that on our podcast, Brian? Did we have this fight with Scott forever? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, no, Listen, no. 80s, 80s movies didn't start until 1983. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I I hate to be a traditionalist here, but I think that the eighties started in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Fuck fuck your Julian calendar. <laughs> I live in my world. I feel pretty obligated to stand by my point. The eighties started on or about January first, nineteen eighty. It lasted until about the end of nineteen eighty nine. And and not to mention it's it's Italy and somehow in Italy. The 70s went from 1965 to 1985. <laughs> I don't even know how the fuck that's possible, but the Italians did it. <laughs> You're not wrong. <sighs> All right. Well, is there anything else we can say about Nightmare City? I mean, the ending is stupid and I hated it. Like the whole, yeah. he wakes up and it's a nightmare thing. Yeah, I was yeah. not a fan of that either. Yeah, if you watch this movie, the second the second he wakes up after you get to see that that fucking mannequin fall, you can uh, you can shut the movie off. Yeah, if you can manage to shut it off right before he wakes up and just not have the whole nightmare ending thing at all, that'd be ideal. It took me a minute to process how dumb it was. I'm like, wait, why is he waking up? Is this supposed to be the next day? I'm like, nope, she's still alive. What's going on? I'm like, oh my god, they're doing it. Uh-oh. I was... I was actually kind of excited whenever uh, Brian said he fell asleep because I thought he was going to say I fell asleep 10 minutes in and woke up with 10 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) And and I didn't know that any time had passed. (laughs) And I was like, fuck, that was a short-ass movie. No. (laughs) I think I I would figure that out. The same footage twice and that's it. Hmm. Yeah, I think the scalpel throwing is my favorite part of the movie. If anyone's wanting an answer to that, of all those things, I think him going full Chavez was just like I, I guess. Um, one of the pleasant things is I rented this movie on Amazon Prime, or rather, I was going to rent it, but it was a dollar ninety nine to rent it and a dollar ninety nine to buy it. <laughs> so I just was like, wow. I might as well just buy it so I can go back and watch it sometime when I'm not going to fall asleep. Or I could just run it on a loop of that lady falling on that roller coaster and know his favorite part. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Probably as good a time as you're going to have watching this movie. <laughs> I could I could put that on a fucking loop and just watch it for an hour. Just an hour of her falling in it in bars. That's a sign of some psychological problem. I'm not qualified <laughs> to diagnose which one, but almost, almost certainly. Um, um, all right, uh, Doug, do you want to tell us about City of the Living Dead? So I noticed on Instagram you said that you've had this for a while, but this is the first time you sat down to watch it. Yeah, this is a part of the. Both of these movies actually are in the same box set that had Dead Heat in it, which is how these movies got added to the list. Was I'm like after Dead Heat, I'm like I. Guess, should watch the rest of these <laughs> i'm like so uh anyways city of the living dead um it's a full chief film basically a priest hangs himself either accidentally opens the gates to hell or was hanging himself specifically to open the gates of hell i'm not sure by i think sheer coincidence there's some people doing a seance at the same time in new york city 
and he, they uh, one of the girls is psychic, so she connects to him. The shock of him dying while they have this psychic connection causes her to die, but not really. <laughs> and because of unionized gravediggers, her coffin is still out of the ground when uh, she comes back to life and starts trying to get out. And so a, a reporter who happens to be conveniently passing by breaks open her coffin in one of the freakiest scenes I've ever seen in yeah. my life because she's yeah. laying in there and they keep stabbing through the top of the coffin. Right where her head would be. Yeah. Like, they, this is the dumbest reporter him. ever. Yeah. Well, this probably <laughs> is first time trying to break a person out of a coffin. Hi. I, I feel like you could do a better job <laughs> the first time. Well, you'd probably just open the coffin rather than try to break the top off of it with a pickaxe. That's what I would do. Well, not to mention, once you've punched the first hole in it, she can breathe now. It's alright. Yeah. You're good. Call, call for help. Uh, so anyways, just, it's important that they go through that together because then they become a team for the rest of the movie. It's the psychic and the, uh, the psychic and the reporter trying to track down this priest that she saw die in her vision because they want to close the gates of hell so they track it down to this town of Dunwich which is built on the site of the original Salem witch trials which is why there's a gates to hell there and uh, I don't know when they get there the town is getting all fucked up because all these people keep coming back from the dead and killing other people and that's pretty much your movie mm-hmm. I think the big the big difference between it and this one first movie we've got uh, atomic vampire stab zombies and this one you have kind of like ninja ghost demon zombies. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very significant difference. And th- I mean, the biggest difference is that one was a Umberto Lenzi film. This is a Lucio Fulci film, mm-hmm. which means that the last one was a pure exploitation film. And this one is actually a horror film, which is built on. It's a, a B horror film built on, you know, there's some good atmosphere. There's a plot. There's stuff going on, and then it's punctuated by these cool zombie moments. And because it's Fulci, all, everything looks a lot better than the last film. The, the makeup effects in this one are really, really good. That's the biggest difference between the two, I, I would say. So I started to get worried when we were watching this, because I had seen this before, but it had been forever ago. Um, so I'm watching this, and then... One of the girls is like, oh, I got to go hang out with Bob. He's a really sweet kid. <laughs> wrong, wrong Bob. And I was like, wait, that kid Bob I thought was in House by the Cemetery. Did I get my movies fucked up? And I thought I was going to have to watch this annoying kid Bob for the rest of the movie. Turns out I was wrong. <sighs> Funny thing, you know how I said I own these movies? Yeah. That box set is uh, Dead Heat, these two movies, and uh, House by the Cemetery, and Bob is why I never watched the rest of the movies. I watched that one first. <laughs> so I'm like, I kind of forgot about that until you just mentioned it. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah. that movie was very annoying, and therefore yeah. I stopped watching the boxes. You picked you picked the wrong one. Yeah, I started at the wrong end of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got really worried that I had misremembered, and then was like, oh, fuck. Is fucking Bob going to be in this movie? Turns out there was a Bob, but it wasn't the one we were worried about. No, it was a. It was just like this weird dude who may have had some kind of mental instability, 
that weird like eighties undefined mental problem. He looks he looks a lot like one of the two uh warehouse guys in Return of the Living Dead for some reason. Yeah, no, I can see that. Tom Matthews. Mm, I'm terrible with names. Well he also played Tommy Jarvis on Friday Six. Uh, he mm. looks like the other guy. Mm. I don't know. James Karen? Let's stop talking about this and start talking about how this Bob character gets murdered by way of a drill through his head, and we get to watch it go in one side of his head, and then his mouth is still moving when the drill comes out the other side of his head. Yeah, it's delightful. It was done really well. Yeah, it made me so happy because, like the box, the box warns you that there's a head drilling in the movie, but I anticipated like a zombie knocking somebody into a drill. I didn't think Angry Dad pins Bob down and just flat out murders him in the slowest way possible. I can I can say, uh, as far as like zombie gore movies, mm, this is some caviar. Yeah. A lot of lot of good lot of good squishy bloody gross stuff in this movie. Lots of people grabbing the back of other people's heads and pulling their brains out. Yeah, that's the that's the go to move. I was going to say that's a little disappointing because I feel like Fulci had them come up with a special effect and he filmed the first one and he goes, ah, oh, fuck, that looks really good. We need to do that four more times because <laughs> I don't want to think of something else. This looks good. It works. Go with it. See, I feel like what happened is that there was a plot relevant reason why the zombie characters were pulling the brains out and then they forgot to include the line of dialogue that explained what the pl- plot point was or else I just missed it. Oh man, and the chick the chick vomiting up all of her guts. Yeah. Still not still not really sure again why she vomited up all of her guts, but it was fucking well, awesome. If you if you make eye contact with the dead priest guy, your eyes bleed and then you vomit up your guts and become a zombie. Alright. again I don't know that that was fully explained in the film, but well, I, 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 I would extrapolate that. I think I think it was just established. No, sorry, Brian. No, I, say, I think it's funny that Doug is looking for explanations in this movie. Well, it is a much slower movie than the last one, so you have time to think for a while. And you're like, well, I wonder why they're doing what they're doing right now. And I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody knows why they're doing including the writer and director of the film. So why should I know? Uh, oh, oh, in the, the maggot snowstorm scene? Yep, another one that doesn't make any sense, but is super gross, man. When those maggots come flying through that window and they're all like holding their mouths shut, and the one guy has his shirt because it's because it's an Italian movie, so he's got the like top three buttons undone to make sure you can see his hairy chest, and you're just like, oh fuck, there's gonna be so many maggots inside his shirt. Like, oh. it's like well, three showers to get rid of that many maggots. So I had read that him, the lead actor. Um, and Fulci did not get along very well. So he's like, fine, then I'm going to throw some maggots at you? No. Uh, so apparently Fulci would walk around with a pouch full of tobacco in his pipe. And, you know, just randomly pull some tobacco, put in his pipe, get a quick smoke in. Sounds right. So That's since this guy hated them so much, he swapped out his tobacco and just filled the pouch up with maggots. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That is a a good joke. It is also horrible. Yeah, that's that's dark. They should have put that in the movie. 
so the, during that scene, I'm just like, ooh, there's all those maggots. I, I will say one thing. So, so all the kills are good, the zombies look good, and the movie's got just, just enough Italian plot to keep you <laughs> engaged. But man, the crescendo, the final fight, is uh pretty weak. <laughs> yeah. It kind of just yeah. ends. It's like it's like oh shit, it's go time, and he's like set him on fire. Oh. Okay, we won. Yay! <laughs> that worked really, really well. Yeah, the uh, the cool thing is when they go underground to get into that dude's tomb, like the set design of that whole area is fantastic. With like skeletons like hanging out of the ceiling and stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, lo- it looks really good. It's just, again, plot-wise, you're like, shouldn't this be the giant culmination of... Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not... It all looks really good. Yeah, the actual storyline of them setting the dead, quote, undead priest guy on fire. Like, yeah, there's not much. Yeah. Uh, You know, if you're ever being menaced by a creepy undead priest that's bringing back ghost ninja zombies, (laughs) set that bitch on fire. It's all good. We forgot to mention that in the last movie, if the zombies are coming at you, you can just throw a TV at them and somehow that catches them on fire. So, well, you know, those old TVs. <laughs> Guess it was the 80s. Less safety standards. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming that uh TV tubes have the same thing, the same charge, whatever it is, charge reservoir that like a uh a guitar amplifier has in it. And if you throw it, a guitar amplifier at a zombie, does that cause fire? Uh no, but if you unscrew one of them tubes and touch it, even if it's unplugged and has been unplugged for 20 years, it will still kill you. It will electrocute you to death. I'll, I'll try not to do that. They they hold charge real good. Uh, so what? Anything else about this movie? Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I gotta say, I, I did enjoy it. I think it was... I think the atmosphere worked for me. The plot was the type of plot you get when you watch B horror movies from Italy from the 80s. I'm just... It's what I expected. And, uh, yeah, the gore was good and stuff, which is where Fulci tends to shine, so that's what I was hoping for when I realized this was one of his films. And, uh... Yeah, it made me happy. I think I've still yet... I haven't gone through Fulci's entire library, but I've still yet to be disappointed by a Fulci film. Well, you kind of know what you're going to get with these... A lot of these directors that made, like, you know, 100 movies in in the same... Subgenre. It's like well, you know what you're getting. You know they made one that made a ton of money because it's particularly good, and then they went back and did a bunch more that are just slightly lesser versions of the one. Right? I do like. I like the fact that Italians seem to get that, and American directors don't. It's like if people really, really like something, you should probably just do that. You should probably just do more of that and make all that money. Well, and I think in a lot of cases, like I think for these guys, it's like I don't. They're, they're not, they weren't. You were never going to get a twenty million dollar budget to go do some big thing because of your success with, you know, zombie. So just do some more zombie stuff. Like just make the thing you're good at. Ride that zombie train. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's it, it is a strange thing when you see like how many how many directors there are that made a good living by just keeping up what they were doing well. And then you see these guys that 
you know, do a couple of horror movies or whatever, and then they immediately want to bolt to do something that they consider classier or better. And it's like, well, I don't know if you're always capable of that. So you yeah. want to keep this in your back pocket and know that there's like a reliable place for you to make a living here. I was going to say in a good 75% of them that decide to make that jump end up blowing their career up and vanishing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Make a, make a bad horror movie. The horror fans will forgive you. Make a bad serious movie and you are fucked. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely enjoyed this one more than the other one, but I still was not super into it. Yeah, um, I, I can see why you have to be in the right mood to watch this type of movie. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Though. I don't know. I mean, you're just getting back from vacation. You should be all relaxed and in that. Uh, I need to watch something gross. Kind of mentality. Yeah. Well, I got back from vacation and then was told, um, "Hey, our uh, our corporate president said that uh, we could just take Friday off too, which is awesome." But then that means you, because I had already scheduled to take Monday off to have a recoup day from driving for an entire week, and so then I'm like, "Oh, cool! That leaves me two days to do a week's worth of work." So last two days I've been like cramming to get shit done so I could have another four day weekend, Bad. which I know is first world problems. But <laughs> right, that sounds that sounds awful and delightful. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, maybe I'll have a, a more receptive mood next time I watch them. I like that you're at least giving them enough credit to say they're worth rewatching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, like the effects are good. I just don't know. I don't know if it was my attention span or what, but just trying to sit and watch them try to figure out what's going on is just sort of like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stuff with the reporter and the psychic trying to track down this town that doesn't show up on maps and stuff, and it's like this all feels like padding a little bit because, like, what do you mean the town's not on the map? Like, what? what, How does that make any sense? (laughs) Right. And then they just like randomly stop places and ask people where it is, and everyone seems to know. So, <laughs> and they have one argument in the middle where they're like, "The chick's hungry," and she's like, "Can we get a snack?" And he's like, "No." He's like, oh, and she's like, "Come on, we should get a snack." And it's like, "Yeah, you guys are going on a multiple day journey together. You're gonna want to eat at some point over the next several days." Get some chips, motherfucker. <laughs> it's, it's just it's a lot of stuff like that that it just feels like it's just padded. Right, uh, whatever. It's not terrible. It's just it's B movie stuff. I think what you need to do, Brian, Saturday, take a nice long nap, get up, take Margo to the dog park, throw the ball around, come back, you'll be in a good mood, and then just come back and just just watch that mannequin hit them fucking bars, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I disagree. I wait till I, I say wait till you're in a bad mood. You need to be cheered up, and you watch that mannequin bounce off those bars. I bet you there's a compilation that starts with that one and leads you to everything. It shows you how like the technology improved up until when they had that poor guy drop from the ship in Titanic. Just, <laughs> somebody must have put that together by now. That's almost that's almost as good just because of that noise. That boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to type Nightmare City uh, Fall. 
into YouTube. Let's see if there's like a loop. <laughs> oh, I'm disappointed. I haven't found the right the right set of words to use. Yeah, well, let's that's up. that can be our demand for feedback for next week. Is could somebody find us that on a loop or create it? Whatever. <laughs> Creating it seems like a lot of work, but I don't know. Maybe it's easy for some people. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, this is Eric in Ann Arbor. I just wanted to catch up with you guys. I just got done listening to your last two episodes. I was a little behind because I've been busy. One of the reasons I've been busy is because I attended the Scaricon convention in Framingham, Massachusetts last weekend. And I had a couple experiences that actually relate to some things you've been talking about in your show, so I wanted to share that with you. Uh, the Dark Discussions podcast, of which I am a co-host... It was asked to help out with this convention, so we were helping moderate some of the panels. So I got to moderate a Q&A with Billy Zane. I know you guys have a fondness for him over Midnight Drive-In. Uh, I also got to moderate a Nightmare on Elm Street panel with Heather Langenkamp, Lisa Wilcox, and Amanda Wiss. So that was a blast. Um, and I also got to do a podcasting panel on which I was sitting. And uh, moderate a panel with uh, Gigi and Reggie Bannister. Uh, so that was all quite fun. But uh, a couple of things in particular that tie into your last couple of episodes. Last episode, you were talking about clowns. Uh, well, one of the people who was in attendance at the convention was Art the Clown from the movie The Terrifier. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's uh, It's got one of the most brutal kills I've ever seen in a horror movie. And Art the Clown is one of the creepiest villains you'll ever see. So uh, David Howard Thornton, the actor that plays Art the Clown, was here with uh, Damien Leone, the director of the film. They did a Q&A, which was fun. Uh, and there was also a photo op uh, for David Howard Thornton in full costume as Art the Clown. So I took advantage of that. And uh, first of all, the amount of effort this dude put into the photo ops was amazing. He could have easily just stood there and let people walk up and take pictures. Uh, but he had a bunch of props from the movie that he was using, and he made every picture different uh, with a different pose or a different prop or uh, whatnot. And he, he even jumped up into one dude's arms. Uh, he was having fun. Everybody else was having fun. Uh, so that was awesome. And by pure happenstance... Um, I ended up on the elevator with Damien Leone and Art the Clown still in full costume uh, <laughs> as they were going back to their room to take off all his makeup. So I'm on the elevator with Art the Clown and, and a few other people, including Damien Leone, who's, uh, who's actually filming the whole thing. And there's this woman standing next to Art the Clown in the elevator on her phone, like not paying attention. And so Art the Clown uh, turns to her and leans in and puts a big creepy smile on his face and just sits there with his nose about half an inch away from her until she notices him and it took her about five seconds to notice him and when she did she she went through the roof she probably peed herself a little bit uh and i got to witness the whole thing from about two feet away so that was awesome so there's a clown story for you uh, the episode before that you guys were uh talking or at least brian was talking about he had watched the ranger 
and Jeremy Holm was at this convention promoting the Ranger. And on Sunday morning, uh, I was in a hotel restaurant with uh, my co-host Phil, and uh, we were just having breakfast. And uh, Jeremy Holm walks up to us and goes, "Hey guys, do you mind if I join you?" And we're like, um, "Yes, please." <laughs> So he just sat down with us at breakfast and we ended up talking to the guy for about an hour. Uh, and he is a really cool dude. So, uh, he even started pitching us on, uh, doing, doing a horror cooking show on shutter where, uh, Phil would be cooking dishes while interviewing people involved with horror movies. Um, so that was, that was a blast, uh, getting to, getting to know him a little bit. And, uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff for about an hour. Um, so I heard, uh, Brian's comments on Ranger and I understand where he's coming from. Uh, but I plan to support anything Jeremy Holm does from here on out just because I think he's a really cool dude and I want to support him. So, uh, those are my quick ScareCon stories. Uh, you guys should check it out. At some point, uh, the guy that uh, set the whole thing up is actually from radio, and he is very pro-podcasting. Uh, so, you guys should uh, check it out next year. As always, love the show. Keep up the great work. So, as you heard, that was Eric uh, pimping all the cool stuff that he gets to do on our show for some reason. <laughs> We waited like three weeks for that. So, yeah, yeah. By the way, Eric, fuck you. <laughs> I mean that in a friendly way, but still. I believe he was trying to share stories that he thought we would enjoy. But it's it's Eric. I have to give him shit. I mean, he ends up in the spam folder. We can't let that go. Well, now we know why Google doesn't like him. Yeah, that's probably what happened. You probably called Google headquarters to brag about doing cool <laughs> shit, and so they're like, "I thought, why'd you call our feedback line? I thought you were going to tell us that you googled something and you weren't content with the results." <laughs> you, know, uh, you know what cool stories I have about coming back from conventions? The the one convention every five years I can afford to go to. Fuck you, fuck you. That's what stories I have. <laughs> Uh, so he's off there like moderating panels and shit. Why don't we get to do that stuff? Oh, that's right. Cause we got like five listeners. That's why. Plus, plus we make like no effort. No. Do you, think, do you think we should make effort? No. Sorry. Sounds hard. <laughs> you get to ask him questions and shit. Uh, that's horrible. I, yeah, but you'd get to meet Billy Zane. Yeah, that's true. It seems worth it. But like you were a dick on the Titanic. <laughs> Just it's panel over, bitch. <laughs> you were a dick on the Titanic. Drop the mic, walk off. Don't you be fucking my daughter in that barn, Billy Zane. <laughs> Throw a critter into your belly. <laughs> I'll critter the shit out of you. Uh, so yeah, also, it's a reference to Back to the Future. You have to do a reference to Back to the Future. Oh, uh. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good one. I was going to say, you're not the one who wears the 3D glasses. He's the only one with any sort of personality out of Biff's gang. That's that's way too long. Your insult can't take more than, like, two sentences. (laughs) Billy Billy Zane's career survived the Phantom. (laughs) Like, that dude's career is like the cockroach of acting. Goes away for a while, but then pops back up again. <laughs> um, so, have either one of you guys watched Terrifier with Art the Clown? I I think I've seen it before, but I can't remember. It must have been a long time ago. 
I have not seen it yet. It's one of those ones that I've thought about. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I enjoyed it. It's very slashery. It just takes place in a apartment building. This dude it's dressed a, up as a clown just murdering people. It's just a dude in a clown suit murdering people in an apartment building? Yeah. All but right. It, uh, I'll watch yeah. it. That's but fine. It's, I'll watch it's that. His, it's his performance that works, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have not seen that one. Yeah. I'd say it's worth a watch. I mean, I watched it on Netflix, I think. So, I mean, there's no, no risk, no reward that way. So, it's fine. Apparently, they held a uh, a GoFundMe or whatever for to do a sequel, and it met its goal in like four hours or something. So, yeah, I heard that part, and that's what made me think. Okay, if people like it that much, maybe mm-hmm. I should. It has a really good following. So, yeah. And apparently, they, people like bad things sometimes. So, yeah. Um, which, uh, yeah, the Eric was talking about the ranger and that guy from the ranger just hanging out and talking to people. He sounds cool. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but I still try to support weird independent horror stuff. So, I would definitely watch anything that dude's in or the director does in the future is what it is um i don't know did eric say anything else interesting i've honestly forgot already uh the story in the elevator is my favorite part no oh, yeah oh i bet i bet that chick totally shit her pants Probably. <laughs> i would have <laughs> yeah I, yeah i would shit them it would have smelled real bad in the elevator <laughs> you get for burying your head in the phone your phone in a public place uh, and that's what I do too. I would have been fucking playing that stupid ass Harry Potter game. Looked up, fucking clown. Fuck that. A friend of mine told me once he was at a convention and, you know, he put all of his shit in his hotel room, was uh, getting ready, walked out of the hall, hit the down button for the elevator. Elevator comes, doors open up, and standing in the elevator in the back, and it, like the only person in the elevator wearing. The typical black suit with black tie was Angus Scrim. Nice. And he's like, uh, I'll just take the next one. He wasn't. He definitely wasn't getting on the elevator with a tall man. That's that's weird. I would have been like, can can I hug you? Would that be weird? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So has anybody watched anything since last week? Yeah. Things. Uh. (laughs) After Doug told me that uh, Child's Play was okay, I went and saw Child's Play. Oh, really? Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it was okay. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm with you on the opinion of they shouldn't have called it Child's Play and just changed the doll. Yeah, change the doll to not look that way. Right. And you know, a couple of lines of dialogue needed to be changed, and then it's not called Child's Play, and then it's a, probably a more enjoyable movie because you don't that you don't have that natural comparison. Right. Most of the most of the kills were pretty good. I thought some of the references were like odd. Like, was that an office space reference at the end of the movie that they did? With the beating? Uh, yeah. Yes. Clearly it was an office space reference. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Like, who references office space in a horror movie? It's just it makes me think of like what are all the references I'm not getting because there there was so many of those weird ones right I mean most of them were okay 
I thought it was. I I thought for the most part it was pretty cool. I kind of, I kind of wish we would have had more on-screen body count stuff. Sure, more kills are always good. Right. They tried to they tried to kind of make up for it with that scene at the end, but I don't know. And I'll tell you what, I feel like that scene at the end they cribbed that a little bit off of uh puppet master littlest reich i feel they just did a higher budget version of that scene okay i haven't seen that movie yet i mean go watch it because it's it's similar like the the big crescendo scene similar yeah but besides that yeah i thought it was cool and now here's the question the dude playing the janitor guy Mm -hmm. is is that jack black or is that jack black's freaky twin brother I don't know. Is there some system for finding out who played who in what movies? I don't know. I just I kept I kept looking at him and be like, oh, it's Jack Black, and then I'd look at him again and I'd be like, oh no, that's not Jack Black. It's just some guy that kind of looks like Jack Black. And then <laughs> they'd show him again. And I'd be like, no, that's definitely Jack Black. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I feel like it wasn't him, but oh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. I'm just saying that dude was made out of discarded tissue in a lab. It's it's creepy. According it's, to it's, it was not him. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think it actually was. I think it was his freaky deaky clone. Hmm. Oh. Is his death scene by the way was awesome. I really like that. Uh apparently this oh, there's a woman in this movie whose real name is Olivia Poon. Huh. And I feel so bad for her because she had to have the shittiest high school life ever. Continue. So, yeah. So, Child's Play, uh, I think it's worth a watch. I mean, it's not... It's not life-altering, but it's fun it's, to watch all the references to other movies. And it's... It's it's a perfectly fine uh, mass-marketed horror movie. It's not what I would want in a remake of Child's Play. No, it's not, it's not a remake of Child's Play. Right. So, it's weird that they chose to call it a remake of Child's Play when it's not a remake of Child's Play. Name recognition. They got to get that money. Yeah. Right. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting what they did with uh, with Chucky, making him like a more pitiable character instead yeah. of a, more of a malevolent character. Yeah. No. I like. I agree. Like it was. He was trying to do what he was programmed to do the whole time. And that was interesting. Uh, and then besides that, uh, I'm I'm spoiler-free, bitches, because I got out to see Spider-Man today before anybody can oh, ruin it. Damn it! I wanted to spoil it for you. I'm really little looking little forward to that. I tuck, I tuck and rolled. I, I forgot. See? I was worried about... I even talked to you guys about today being a holiday, and then I kept forgetting that I get the holidays off, motherfuckers. So... <laughs> <laughs> so well, should we, uh, at the end of the show, should we do a spoiler discussion of Spider-Man? Yeah, I don't, like, I, I don't feel like we need like a whole separate segment, right? I don't, it's not like that important, but let's right, do so, yeah, so, yeah, or nay now, and then we'll do a discussion after. Yeah, non non spoiler review, thumbs up. Uh, yay for me. Yeah, I'm I'm pro it. For me, there was a little too much time spent on some of the side characters, and I would have liked to see them spend that time with the more important characters, but other than that, I don't really have any complaints. Uh, Post-credit scenes, double thumbs up. 
yeah, we'll be discussing those. <laughs> so if you that's uh, in spoiler-free review. Yes. Yeah, we'll be doing we'll be doing a spoilerish review at the end of the show, so you can keep listening. Yeah, we'll let people know when to turn it off if you haven't seen it yet. Because don't listen to what we have to say unless you've seen it. <laughs> Still, people walking out of the theater when the credits start rolling. I don't fucking get it, man. Man, I figured, you know, 12 years into this, we're still... People should know by now. Yeah. Um, did you watch anything else, Noah? I did not. That was it. What about you, Doug? Uh, well, other than Spider-Man, I only have one other one to discuss. That's a movie called uh, Next of Kin, but not the uh, oh, yeah. Liam Neeson one. It's a different one. Patrick Swayze? No. That's the Liam Neeson one has Patrick Swayze in it. Wait. Have you not seen Next of Kin starring Patrick Swayze and Liam Neeson? No. Oh my god. I'm I didn't know Liam Neeson was in it. That's why I was like, wait, do you mean Patrick Swayze? So we were, we were talking about the same one. Yeah. Liam Neeson was in it. Well, it's going, it's going on the list now anyway, so we'll discuss that in more detail another day. <laughs> the one I'm talking about is from, uh, it's an Australian movie, I think, from 85. Essentially, this girl inherits um, this big old house from her mother, which is um, being used as like an old folks' home or seniors' residence, whatever the term is. And uh, she moves in. She's basically trying to take over, take helping care for these people and get the place on track. There's financial problems and all that stuff, as you would expect. And uh, weird shit starts happening. And is it ghosts or is it just somebody fucking with her and then eventually someone dies and then there's word that other people have died in that similar way throughout it so wait does that mean it's supernatural or is somebody killing these people or is it just a coincidence no one knows no one knows no one knows at the end they tell us it's not a heavy plot driven movie <laughs> um, but you know you've, we've all seen this type of movie before I think Brian you're the one that pointed out to me that it's comparable to The Shining yeah, yeah. If you've seen uh, Not Quite Hollywood, the, the what the fuck is it called? The Australian grindhousey documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tarantino calls it. He feels it's on par with The Shining, which I see what he's talking about, but I don't think it's anywhere near as good as The Shining. Yeah, I mean, it's you can see the comparison as far as the style of filmmaking, as far as the. Mm the nature of the film goes it's it plot wise it's similar to the shining it's got that stuff i can i can see why a guy like tarantino with his attention span would like this because it's a i think it's 89 minutes long or something like that so i can see why the shining might be a little too much for him yeah so because of that recommendation i was like seeking it out forever couldn't really hard to find and i think it ended up on youtube and it was one of those, like, well, I have to watch this tonight because it will get taken down and I will never get to see it again. So I watched it. Thought it was okay at most. I'm um, curious to rewatch it just because I think the, I mean, I'm watching it on YouTube, so I'm sure the quality was probably shit. So I wouldn't mind sitting down and giving it another watch. Yeah, it's also a 1985 Australian movie, so I watched it through Shudder. And it's not yeah. that great a quality anyway. Um but yeah, I, I got to say, I enjoyed it. I think it relies heavily on the like an eerie atmosphere and the setting, which is this like big old house with all these like sickly old people in it. And I think it all that worked really well. Um, 
the sort of ending reveal of what's been going on is semi-predictable, but uh, well done. It's well edu- it's well executed. The climax is rather exciting. Once they kind of get you past the mystery element of it, they have to have the big climax. You know, battle with what's been doing these things to her. I think they, they get through that pretty well. It's, it's it's pretty quick, so that you you know you're not spending a lot of time on it. Um, which which is good, right? It doesn't. It's the nature of this type of movie. Sometimes when these sort of slow burn movies, when they uh, they get into their own heads and they end up becoming very very long, and if they're not really 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 well made, then they're not very much fun to watch. Um, so in this case, they knew enough to keep it short and make it good, and uh, I liked it quite a bit. So I don't know about the comparison to The Shining as far as the quality of it goes. Um, that's I'm not here to argue with the <laughs> If we get him on the podcast one day, I'll call him out about that to his face, and we'll have an open and frank discussion. But until then, I don't, I don't feel I need you to rank this movie in comparison to The Shining. So, yes, they are similar films. If you're a fan of The Shining and you like lower budget movies, you'll probably be a fan of this. But uh, that's that's about where I would say the comparisons end. So it's it's a recommend for me if you like that kind of movie, if you're in that kind of mood. It is that old-timey, like, slow burn, slow burn, slow burn, big exciting ending that was popular in the 70s, but um, I guess in Australia in 1985 was still the 70s. I don't know. I don't know how you guys do your weird math. You guys keep telling me the age of the 70s, so I'm not sure how that worked. But I'd recommend it. The performance from the lead girl is really good, too, and she's in almost every scene in the movie, so it's important that she be good, and she is. Yeah, I forgot that it ended up on Shudder. I need to give it a rewatch. Yeah, I think it just showed up on Shudder recently. Yeah, yeah, within the last couple of weeks. I think Severn just put out a Blu-ray of it, and I think they may have done a um, new transfer or something. I'm sure the quality is much better than how I watched it on Netflix so or on YouTube. So I'll have to give it a rewatch. It's, it's it's I think it's worth a watch if you're you know if you're even thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's a whether you like it or not. We can always discuss it when you uh, when you've watched it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? That is all I have watched. Well, even though I've been gone for two weeks, I was super busy. Um, so I watched. Well, I guess two things, but one of them is not really worth talking about. I watched uh, Murder Mystery on Netflix. Uh, not as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston movie where they think they're in a murder mystery type thing, but it turns out that somebody actually murdered somebody and people think oh, they did it. Oh, wow, that does sound wacky. No. <laughs> if, you, if you watched that, you got what you deserved. Yeah, no. but to be fair... Apparently, it was the most watched Netflix movie of all time within the first, like, seven what? days or something. Yes. I guess, because the kids watch Adam Sandler, and the moms all watch the Jennifer Aniston, and they put them together, and there you go. Yeah. It, uh, it was not great. No, I, I feel like you know what you're getting when you hit play on that movie, and it probably delivers exactly what you're expecting, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, even so, I don't think it was as funny as I had hoped it was going to be. So, okay. you know, I don't know. Um, so the only other thing I watched, 
is uh, what was this? 2011 movie that sort of ties into Spider-Man. Uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie Source Code. Oh yeah, you guys seen this? I think I saw it in 2011. So don't ask yeah. me to comment on it. Uh, for some reason, I remember seeing trailers for it and thinking like it looked dumb, so I didn't watch it. And I don't know why, because like time travel slash time loopy type stuff I'm usually into. So I don't know why I dismissed it, but I kept hearing that it was pretty good. So I figured I'd give it a watch. Um, so there's a uh, there's an explosion on a commuter train in Chicago, and apparently the military has come up with this weird system where if they get the brain of somebody who had just recently died they can hook it up to a machine and then essentially send someone into their memories like i guess the late last eight minutes that they were alive to try to figure out like you know kind of what happened and so it's very uh i said time loopy because uh uh jake gyllenhaal is like a soldier that they send in he essentially is he's jumping into sort of a computer simulation based on this guy that was on the train's neural pathway or some some science fiction blah 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 that you go sure works for the movie um so he's able to walk around and experience all the stuff on this commuter train to try to figure out uh who planted the bomb or whatever because apparently there's gonna be another explosion within the next like eight hours or something um so through whatever magic he's able to go and talk to all these people on this train and sort of try to solve this mystery but the thing is he can only go eight minutes at a time and then he you know the train explodes and then he has to start all over again uh ended up really enjoying it um of course it has its own plot flaws and whatever else but uh yeah overall i thought it was pretty good um really don't know why i was sort of poo-pooing it when it first came out. Um, I'm glad I gave it a shot. It was, it's worth a watch. I mean, they start going into weird things if uh, if he's actually in a computer simulation or not. Are they is he actually time traveling and he doesn't know it? Type thing. So I don't know. That's all, yeah, if you're all into that kind of stuff, it's really interesting. And then there's one big twist that sort of changes sort of everything of how the how the movie is playing sort of changes it all makes you look at it from a different perspective so yeah uh it's good worth a watch um if you've already seen it i'd recommend giving another watch i guess i don't know maybe yeah. just sit and have a conversation with somebody about the implications of the ending to it i guess i'm not remembering any of this and I'm wondering if I saw it or if I'm getting it confused with something else. Yeah. Because I thought I'd like I thought I remembered having seen it, but it was just so long ago that I don't remember any of that. So Yeah, so it's good. Recommend. Um before we get into what we're doing next week, um one thing I meant to ask like weeks ago. And then we're like, oh we'll do it next week and then I was gone unexpectedly for a couple weeks. Um, the new Doctor Sleep trailer. Oh, right. Um, have you watched it, Noah? I have not. Are you purposely not watching it? 
Uh, kind of. Okay. I mean, uh, it doesn't. You can talk about it if you want. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm just, I was curious if you were just avoiding it or whatever. No. Uh, so so far, uh, the the last Stephen King project turned out pretty well. Mm-hmm. So so I'm actually gonna like treat this one like it might be good. Wait, which one? Which one? Well, okay. both both it and uh, Castle Rock were pretty. Uh, oh. Yeah, but you're, you're, Pet Cemetery happened. Don't forget Pet Cemetery happened. Yeah, that's a good point. But I actually I still haven't seen it. Well, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good move. Do that. <laughs> um, well, Doug, what do you what do you think about the Doctor Sleep trailer? Well, if you'd listen to the shows when you're not on them, you'd already know. Because Anthony and I discussed this a couple of weeks ago. But uh, oh, sorry, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, I think it looks good. I'm. I find like when I'm watching trailers, like I don't. I know they're trying to sell me the movie, so I look for the stuff. Like, how do I know if this is going to be a good movie or not? And in this case, the fact that the director had to put up like Instagram posts to show people the difference between his scenes that he shot and the original Shining movie yeah. is very. It, it shows me that a lot of love and care went into making that, mm-hmm. and that's a really positive sign for me. Yeah. Um, so, I, like, I think the fact that people were confused and thought those were shots from the original movie is. Yeah. A really, really good, good sign, and that's that's what has me the most excited for it. I was definitely tricked. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, uh, yeah, they're just totally going straight for The Shining. Yeah, I wasn't one hundred percent sure when I watched it either. I'm like, "Is that original footage or not?" Or yeah. And then when he's when I saw the side by side, there is subtle differences, but it's shit that you wouldn't notice unless there was a side by side picture. And I was like, fuck. So I'm just, I'm a big Mike Flanagan fan. So I'm kind of excited for this. And I didn't want to be because I'm just like, eh, a Shining sequel. Still enough we need to do it. We did, I don't feel like the book needed to happen after reading it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to give this movie a chance. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, Ewan McGregor is a good actor. So yeah. And he looks like he's doing a good job in this movie, but mm-hmm. kind of that's the one thing where I'm like, when I found out the cast, I'm like, yeah, I expect him to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what was I? I had a point. I completely forgot what it was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess one of the good things I've heard is that he pretty much, Mike Flanagan, pretty much banned the use of jump scares in this movie. Oh, the whole thing's going to be built on tension rather than just cheap jump scares, which I was excited about. So, yeah, that's the right way to go for this type of movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying not to get excited for anything anymore because that just leads to disappointment. <laughs> but I can't help but say, like, yeah, like it looked good. Yeah, the recreated scenes look good. The recreation of specific sets that we see, Ewan McGregor as the older. Danny Torrance in from yeah. the original movie, I think looks spectacular. Which I find interesting because the big either one of you it doesn't matter. Uh, in the book he goes back to where the hotel was. But obviously in the book compared to the movie, the hotel blew up. Right. So there is no hotel in the book. So I just find it interesting that they're just going full full sequel with the movie in there able to go back to the old hotel and sort of use that as a set and stuff 
So I'm excited. I'm excited for them to. It's an interesting thing to use since they couldn't use King couldn't use it in the book. It's definitely an interesting set piece that they can use in the movie to make it different. So we'll see how it goes. I'm almost curious if um, the shining piece in Ready Player One maybe helped push that kind of stuff forward with this movie. Because people were like really excited about the shining set piece. And I feel like I don't know if somebody would be interested unless they heard, you know, that there was some buzz about the shining set piece. Like, oh well, maybe we should definitely push forward this other movie and use more of the shining influence in it than we were planning on doing ahead of time. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm kinda interested to see what they what they do with it. Because yeah. the book not a lot of stuff like happens. Yeah. I mean it's I think a good fifty percent of that book is just what's going on in his head. Yeah. Yeah. And the I guess quote unquote villains he's up against I don't think are super interesting. I think they could be interesting, so maybe they'll do something in the movie different from the book to make them Right. And he doesn't uh, even like he doesn't even come into conflict with them until what, the last quarter of the book, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I trust Mike Flanagan. Gerald's Game was supposed to be an unfilmable book, and he did about as good of a job as anybody could expect for that movie. Yeah, that's, I think that because of the way King writes, sometimes you have to you have to find the right director that can work with his material. Mm-hmm. It's only so many guys that they're doing it, so it sounds like they've found one, and they're letting him do it, which is good. Yeah, yeah. so... We'll see, I guess. Yeah, I was uh, just—I was very pleasantly surprised by the trailer, because I was really not that excited when they announced they were making this movie. But then I saw the trailer, and my hopes went up. So we'll see how it goes. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Next week, Doug is going to be gone, so we may have to bring in another guest co-host. We'll see. But we're going to be doing, uh, was it the Giant Claw or the Claw? Fuck. Gone already. <laughs> That's a good sign for how things are going to go next week. Exactly. We're doing Cue the Winged Serpent and the Claw or the Giant Claw. I can't remember which uh, what title it is. You have to know the title of the movie by the end of this segment of our show. You have to tell yeah. the listeners. It's part of our thing. Nah. Uh, it is the giant claw, and then cue the winged serpent. The two giant winged monster movies for next week. So it should be fun. Doug's going to be off on vacation. Are you taking the kid, or are you leaving the kid at home? Uh, kids come with us in this one. Oof. Not really a vacation, then. Well, we're bringing another kid that will hopefully the two kids will occupy each other. <laughs> <laughs> So we're traveling with another family, and the running joke is my buddy's bringing his like favorite folding chair so we can sit and relax, and I'm bringing a book, and we're going to see if either one of us gets to use them. <laughs> nice. So we'll see how it goes. Um, so yeah, expect that next week. All right, should we jump into Spider-Man Far From Home? Yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Uh, so this one sees Peter on a class trip overseas, just wanting to get away from the superhero life. And, of course, for Peter Parker, it's definitely not the case. And he ends up 
getting embroiled in all kinds of stuff with Nick Fury and company. Um, so we're all pretty positive on this movie. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to say if you haven't seen it, you should probably stop listening. Uh, or if you don't care, keep listening, whatever. So from this point forward, spoiler warning. There we go. So we can finally reveal that Mysterio was actually a bad guy in the trailers. For what? It was, it, it was so funny to be in the theater and like the big scene comes where the reveal of like Mysterio and his backstory. And I like literally like I ran to the washroom at that moment because I had to go and I'm like, I, this is the only part of the movie where I know exactly what's coming next. <laughs> like I don't, it's, As soon as Peter handed him the glasses, I'm like, okay. Like that bar is clearly fake, and we're going to get the exact explanation for why Mysterio is faking these monsters, and he's really a bad guy. And yeah, it's all good. But it, it didn't bother me that it was predictable. I was kind of, wow. I liked the story regardless of the fact that it was predictable. Yeah, I thought and, Mysterio was pretty good. I, I liked Mysterio a lot. I've been waiting a long time for live action Mysterio. I liked him in the old, like, 60s cartoon that I used to watch when I was a kid. I always liked Mysterio. And then so when it was supposed to be Bruce Campbell, I was all excited and that never happened. Mm -hmm. And so this is finally like, we finally get the Mysterio. And, you know, obviously the costume looked good in the trailers and we found out they were going to actually go with the fishbowl, which was nice. Mm -hmm. The question was just going to be how do they pull off the character? And I think they did a really good job of modernizing the character, telling him in like a a way that's true to the fact that this movie is set in 2023 without mm. abandoning kind of the core elements of the character. Yeah. What'd you think, Noah? Uh, I really dig it. I especially liked the, the visuals of um, the more like hallucinatory moments where Mysterio is like really fucking with Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. The, I pretty much at that point, I was like, you know what? There's never going to be an excuse from now on of not doing a really good set pieces for stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. Because this yeah. stuff was so fantastic. Right, right. And it was something like, I don't know, something about the way they did it. I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's kind of always, whenever I was reading the comic books and looking at the drawings, what I envisioned mm -hmm. it being like. Yeah, no, it, it really works. That scene where they're in that, well, Peter thinks they're in like an office building and they're really in that like criminal building and he's getting knocked around and doesn't know what to do. It's really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, really disorienting. He doesn't even get away from him until he falls out of a window and lands on a car. Yeah. And you sort of get that moment where he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I got away from him. It's good. And then the drones come and find him and he just gets like caught all up in that again. Yeah. I, I do like what they did with Spider-Man in this movie. Cause so the, the even, even in Spider-Man movies to be more specific, the, the idea of, you know, Spider-Man kind of wanting to, to give up because he's lost all of his self-confidence has been done over and over and over again, not just with Spider-Man, but with a bunch of other characters. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be boring. But I like the way they kind of twisted it a little in this one, where it's instead of it's just uh, him not wanting to be Spider-Man, it's more like the pressure that everyone around him's putting on him to be so good is like mm -hmm. too much. Yeah, the stuff with him trying to live up to what Tony Stark wanted him to be. 
Yeah, like, all that stuff was really good. Yeah, I thought they did a good job because I was a little surprised that did the Spider-Man two thing where he voluntarily gives up his power, kind of thing. In this case, mm-hmm. it's less direct. He's just giving up the control of the Stark tech, but he's. It, it, they do that, like say, like you've said, they did so much. I really like the fact that this was, yeah, I'm prepared. At the end of Homecoming, he said, like, I just want to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. That's what I'm qualified for. And he's still happy to do that. <laughs> but the world won't let him do that. The circumstances have changed, and he's not able to do the thing that he's prepared to do. So he just wants to be able to back off. I, th- I thought that was a nice twist. Mm. So how did we feel about the fact that Mysterio is not just a person, but is like a whole team of people? I thought that was kind of an interesting twist. And then the fact that we've actually seen some of them before and not realized it. Yeah. I I liked the fact... I mean, the fact that he had a team just made sense with the nature of his tech and everything. It would have been very difficult to pull it off as if he was doing all, all that by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, I mean, it is a superhero movie. You could just say, like, oh, he's got the superpower of being able to set up his special effects really quickly. Um but it made sense to have a team there. And I also think tying it back into, I mean, don't think about it too hard because you're going to realize a lot of the world revolves around Tony Stark, but tying it back in to Tony Stark's uh, kind of bad attitude towards other people and his management style is interesting. You know, like Stark has essentially been the cause of all of the earthbound problems in the MCU since 2008. And, he's still fucking shit up even though he's gone. I was going to say that, that is pretty funny because my first thought at the end of uh, Endgame, whenever he's dead is, well, who are they going to have just randomly fuck the world up now? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. He can do it from behind the, beyond the grave. He, even, even in death, I fuck everything up. <laughs> so I, th- I thought that was, I thought that was neat. Um, and of course, getting like the, I think they got the actor, or I got looked a lot like him from the original Iron Man coming back now. Kind of their way of saying, like, don't worry, the MCU still exists. Yeah. That's how I took that. So uh, I think a lot of yeah. post endgame people are thinking everything's done, and they're like, no, it's not. It's not done. Everything that happened still matters and is going to be affecting what goes forward. Yeah, that was uh, Peter Billingsley. Okay. really good friends with John Favreau, so it was pretty easy to get him to come back, I'm sure. Yeah. He was uh, he was Ralphie in Christmas Story for people who uh, oh, really? need a face to put. Yeah. Okay. He does a lot more like producing and writing and stuff now. And he, him and John Favreau, I think, have a, a production company together. So sometimes he'll just pop in for like a small part or whatever. So I'm sure that's what he did in Iron Man. And it was probably easy just to get him to come on and just yeah, wouldn't a couple get him back in. Yeah. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff worked for me. As far as the plot goes, like everything I think worked for me almost. Mm. Even though like it was pretty predictable, the Mysterio, like the, the quote unquote twist was predictable. You know, by that point in the movie, I knew there was a big fight that happened in London. So, okay, that's going to be your final fight. Pretty predictable how it went down. Um, but it was all well done, so it didn't bother me that it was predictable. Like, I'd rather it be 
a good predictable than a bad unpredictable. Like, yeah, there were no big weird twists with the Mysterio storyline that made you go like, oh, why'd they do that? Which is the right move there. I did kind of think the whole thing was funny with um, Fury's new group, whatever they're calling themselves. I don't know if they're calling themselves Shield or whatever. Mm-hmm. How they would just kept fucking with the uh, the tour. Uh, all the right places i thought that was very entertaining judging judging by the uh the final post credit scene i do believe the insinuation is that it's sword yeah Yeah. well we'll get into that but yeah yeah, like it's uh it doesn't matter who it's it's the the idea that they're manipulating everything and i liked i they increased martin star's role in this movie Whenever he was so proud of himself for getting like the upgrades and shit, and you're like, "Yeah, but we as an audience all know what just happened, <laughs> or at least we have an idea of what just happened." So it's like, okay. Um, I did enjoy that we kind of got some. Uh, I guess you call it like person on the street stories about people vanishing and then reappearing five years later. Yeah, we kind of got to hear how the world reacted to some of that. Like, you hear Aunt May talk about how apparently she blipped out, and then when she reappeared, like somebody else had rented her apartment, so she just randomly shows up in the middle of someone else's apartment. I liked that the old lady thought I was a ghost line. I thought that was pretty clever. <laughs> I thought the scene in the high school with the uh, the bit, like in is it, I think it was the band that disappeared and then kind of came back, and something else was going on in the gym when they came back. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> the middle of the basketball that. game. Yeah, so I thought that was well done. My favorite moment in that opening was when the girl, I forget her name, she ends up dating Ned, when uh, she had, she's like doing the announcements and she's like using this in memoriam section of the announcements to bitch about the fact that they had to redo the whole school year even though they'd already started it. <laughs> and I'm like, that's perfect because that's exactly how you want like especially because it's early in the movie and you're like, okay, are they going to do a decent job with portraying teenage characters? Yeah. They're pissed that they had to write midterms twice, even though (laughs) half the earth's population got wiped out and brought back and they're upset about having to redo midterms. Yep. They've they've nailed who teenagers are. (laughs) Yeah. Like they did have a character that has aged five years. Yeah. (laughs) So he was like this scrawny little like kid. And now he's like super handsome and muscular and stuff. Yeah, they they kind of addressed a lot of the funny questions that people have. Like they had like that kid who was a child, and now he's like older, and he's Peter's like, uh, like they're fighting over Mary Jane. And then they've also got like the one kid. It's Flash, I think, that tries to buy a drink because he's got ID that says he's twenty one. <laughs> he gets called out for like, no, you blipped. So your ID says you were born then, but you technically still 16 (laughs) and those are like the kind of dumb questions that people were asking after endgame and it's like oh yeah they knew you were gonna ask and they threw an answer in yeah or the one guy talking about how his little brother is now his older brother yeah (laughs) super fucking weird right that'd be so horrifying if you were just like woke up one day and your uh your little brother was now your big brother but yeah the thing that reminded me is when you brought up martin Starr, and then he brings up that his wife faked being blitzed and then ran <laughs> off with her boyfriend. But again, that would happen. <laughs> of course it would happen, right? Uh, so good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, 
I did like that we were kind of ending. Because one of the things I always liked about Raimi's Spider-Man is that he loves being Spider-Man. Yeah. When he's like web swinging like down the streets and stuff, and you kind of follow with him, and you get to see the excitement of it. That Tom Holland Spider-Man is kind of ending this movie sort of in that way where he takes MJ like on a ride. Yeah. Web swing. And then she, of course she's like, I'm, I'm never doing that again. I would even say, I think that those scenes, the way they were shot at the end were a direct reference to the same, the Sam Raimi movies. Yeah. I think they were clearly shot in a way. And there's the one scene where he's got MJ and he's swinging and it's very reminiscent of a scene from, I think it's Spider-Man two where Peter is swinging with, the more traditional MJ, and I love the the kind of the contradiction because these movies are supposed to be a little more real world, where it's like she gets down and she's like, "That was fucking horrifying," <laughs> you know. But but I think yeah, like they I think they were obviously referencing those movies, and they're trying to say like, yeah, this first two movies was essentially the opening montage to Sam Raimi's Spider Man One, where he learned how to love being Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, that worked a lot of fun. Well. Yeah, I think like I think Peter's whole character arc of like, I just want to be a kid. Like I, like he's been through a lot, and I think everybody would say, yeah, in, it's fair that you get to just go be a kid now. But the world's not a fair place, man. And there's no Iron Man, and we need somebody to step up. And you're it. You know mm-hmm. that that's all there is to it. You're it. It, it. You don't get to decide whether you're it or not. Um, so it's, you know, figure it out and he figures it out. Right. And he learns that, you know, he learns by making the mistakes that he does, he can handle the responsibility and he's willing to do it and kind of has to do it. So I I liked it quite a bit as far as that stuff goes. Um, anything else before we get into post-credit stuff? Well, I, I will say like my big complaint about the movie is that I felt like it, some of it felt like padded and I know there's stuff because I've seen the trailers that got taken out. Like I know there's Peter doing the, the Spider-Man thing in New York city in the iron spider suit and bantering with the cops. I know that that didn't mm-hmm. make it into the film. And it's like, I, f- there was nothing in the movie that was done poorly, but like the whole Ned storyline could have just gone. I would have rather have that on sure and have that screen time dedicated to seeing, spending a little more time with Peter and with Mysterio. And like Peter's relationship with Mysterio could have been explored a little more. Peter's relationship with Mary Jane could have been explored a little more. You increased the Martin Starr character, so you still had your comic relief. There was plenty of that, no problem. And then, okay, so you could have excised some of the stuff with the teenagers. I mean, Flash was just there because he's a returning character. That's the only, his only purpose. You know, same thing with Ned and his girlfriend. Like, we don't need all that. And it's not that it was done bad. Like, I was, I enjoyed watching it. I just would have preferred if that screen time was dedicated to Peter and Mysterio and I, Jane and the main characters. I, I don't know. I think they might actually be setting Flash up to become, like, the more modern version of Flash in the comic books now. We'll, we'll see. But okay. I, I think that's the whole reason why he keeps... They keep giving him so much screen time as I think they have plans for him. And, and we'll see. Maybe something will come of it. But as of right now, he's he's a comic relief character in a movie that had several comic relief characters that got a lot of screen time. Right. And for me, I, I just, again, that, 
I get that they're appealing to a younger market with these and that they need more of that humor for those kids. But for me personally, I would just, I would have liked to seen more scenes of Spider-Man and Mysterio sitting down talking and developing that relationship more. So it would have had more of an emotional impact when the turn comes. And that's just, again, it was done well. It could have been a little better. I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but right. Are you, are you familiar at all with like Flash's arc in the comic books? What happens not, to him? Not really. So, so like it kind of starts off the same way where he's a dick and him and Peter don't like each other. And kind of by their senior year in high school, they become friends. And then Flash joins the military and the military actually turns him into like a, a really good stand up all American guy. And then he gets his legs blown off. <laughs> And so he ends up being a wounded veteran. And then eventually, eventually in the comic books, obviously I don't think they can do this, but eventually he gets the Venom symbiote and becomes like the new Venom because Venom can give him legs. Right. That, that's what I thought I'd heard. Yeah. So. And he becomes like agent Venom. Like they actually use it for like military. He becomes like a good superhero using the Venom symbiote. Okay. Yeah. Eventually With- comes into conflict of it maybe controlling him more than he would like type situations, but yeah. Yeah, there's this interesting thing where instead of him being bonded to the symbiote all the time, he only puts it on for the time he needs it. So, like, I think they say it's like a maximum of five days so that the symbiote can't actually completely bond with him and take him over so he can remain in control. It's, it's pretty... It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that sounds interesting. It's unfortunate that they don't have access to the Venom character and they can't do that whole storyline and do it properly. Um, I okay. hope they don't. There is the rumors of a crossover. I hope to God that they don't do a crossover. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say the interesting thing is Sony does have access to those characters. Now, as far as I understand with the contract, they can't put Spider-Man into a Venom movie, but they most certainly could put Flash Thompson into a Venom movie. Yeah. And and there might be something to do there, but I like I don't I don't want that. <laughs> anyway, I don't want anything that combines the MCU with any other universes. Is what it comes down to for me. So I don't. That's when people have said, "Oh, baby, Blade is gonna they're gonna retcon that." And we can't. No, don't do anything that brings anything else into the MCU. That's my take on it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so. just saying, Idris Elba is Blade. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with reintroducing Blade as the character. I have a problem with them trying to retcon in the old movies. There's there's rumors that Wesley Snipes has had meetings with Marvel, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Part yes. of me would enjoy more Blade movies, part, but I don't know if that Blade character needs to be in the MCU. Uh, you said uh, Idris Elba's Blade. I mean, I would take Idris Elba as just about any character. Idris Elba is fucking Loki for all I care, even though he's already been Heimdall, but I don't care. I just love Idris Alba. Put him in everything. Yeah. I might go see that fucking Fast and the Furious Presents bullshit just because Idris Alba's in it. He's Black Superman. I shall not be seeing that. Nah, I have no interest. And I actually like The Rock, and usually we'll just watch whatever he's in anyway. But I like The Rock, and I like Jason Statham, and I'm still not seeing that movie. <laughs> and I like Idris Elba. I'm still not seeing that movie. 
but we're on a tangent as tends as we tend to be. Um, did anybody else get excited by uh, when it, at first it seemed like they were opening up the multiverse, which ended up not being so, true. I, I, Devil's Advocate, I know everybody loves this idea of a multiverse and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm not opposed to the idea of having a few other verses that exist. I think, like in, like, in Infinity War, they basically explained that you create new timelines when you fuck with the stones, right? No. So you could have a couple of other timelines that exist and you could do some kind of thing. But the idea of, like, this, like, infinite number of universes... To me, that just eliminates the stakes of the movies. I just, I, I can't help but think that if there was, you know, thousands of other universes out there, it almost becomes like, so what if people die in this one? And if they start bringing in characters from the other ones to replace the people from these ones, it's like, well, then what's the point? Like, I, I don't know. Mul- multiple realities in the comics have tended to work out very well for Spider Man. Yeah. And, uh, don't get me wrong. Like I, I think that that can be true. I just think sometimes you change the medium, you have to change the story to suit it. And I think mm-hmm. if you started having, you know, there's a thousand Spider-Men out there, it's like, well, then why should I care what's going on with this one? And when you start losing that, then I think the, the whole MCU is going to start to fall apart. So. Well, just just watch uh, Spider-Verse. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, it, and again, Spider-Verse is a standalone movie that explores that concept. Fine, great, yeah. I, I love well, that. There's two things I would like with the multiverse. Uh, number one, and it's just Tom Holland talking out of his ass, but uh, he said if they ever wanted to do like a Spider-Verse movie with him, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire, he would totally be down for it. I would only it, be okay with that if they animated in one of the cartoon versions of Spider-Man as well. <laughs> That'd be amazing if they had like 60s Spider-Man and they're all like swinging from buildings and he's just swinging above the buildings for no reason and they don't bother <laughs> to explain it. I mean, they could just bring in Spider-Ham and just put him in too. Well, <laughs> that might get ridiculous. What? Hitting criminals with a giant mallet? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, I mean, I would watch that movie. I, I'm not saying it would be a good movie, but it's something that I would be like, yes, I want to see that movie. That idea has existed on the internet for mm. years now. Oh, sure. And, and, like, I've never been opposed to it. Yeah. Again, though, uh, then you're talking about two or three other realities, not hundreds. Sure. Yeah. And I the think other- I read somewhere the other day that the rumor is, according to the leak stuff, that Marvel has its eyes on seven more Spider-Man movies. <laughs> uh, you know what? Good. Because that's the thing when they cast Tom Holland as a young guy, you can have him go through a lot of these storylines and grow old in the role. And hopefully he stays, he maintains his passion for it. Right? I, I honestly think they might kill him. Sure. Uh, do a Miles Morales? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Miles Morales exists in this universe. It's been established. So why not? Right. And that's, uh, you know, he, I, I don't oh, know. It could be, it could be yeah, real epic as long as they time it right. Yeah. As long as they, as long as they handle it properly, you know, and they've set up what I mean, I assume we're going to discuss the mid and post credits. They've set up yeah. multiple storylines going forward that could very well involve Spider-Man. So, yeah. The other uh, use I could see for a multiverse, which I think Noah has talked about before, is uh, the X-Men usually work better when they're on their own. So I 
I feel like they could have their own separate universe, and maybe it would work better for whenever Marvel decides they're going to bring the X-Men in. Because otherwise, you have a movie where people hate mutants, but they're giving Spider-Man high fives. and Not anymore. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> you, could, you could bring them in, split them back out at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's interesting. The idea of a separate reality to where there isn't another Spider-Man over in that universe, and there isn't, you know, mm-hmm. that it is a completely separate world where the X-Men are. Sure. That That's a different thing too. And the only thing I would, I would question how would they manage to explain crossover events, but then well, again, that's, when, that's when you bring in fantastic four and Reed Richards is known for creating yeah. doorways to other dimensions. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they hire really intelligent professional writers to come up with stuff like that. So yeah, yeah they're, they're doing a good job on their own so far. Yeah. They don't really need our advice too much, <laughs> but you know, if they're listening, that's the part where I, I I feel they could fall apart. So, um, yeah, the, the, we bring them ideas, and they just pull out a giant bag with like the dollar symbol on it. They'd be like, "This is what we lost in the couch cushions yesterday," so we don't really need your input. Thanks. And then we're just like, "Can we can we sit on the couch for a while?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, do you want to jump into the mid credit sequence? Sure. Which is uh, the end of uh, MJ's Spider-Man ride? That sounded dirty. Uh, the <laughs> end of the He's end of them web, yeah, the end of them uh, web swing, and he drops her off. Were they supposed to be like Times Square or whatever? Yeah, New York. And then the surprise I was so excited to see is we get J. Jonah Jameson back, played by J.K. Simmons again. Yep. I was like, he's so so good in the role. They're like, we can't possibly recast him, so just bring him back. Yeah. Well, he's bald to make him look more like Alex Jones. (laughs) Yeah. I'm. I'm. I mean, like literally. I think that's exactly what they did. They wanted him to look more like a cross between Alex Jones and J. Jonah Jameson. That that might be what it is, because I don't know why he's bald otherwise, but. He's still great as the character. And I, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, but updating him to be the Alex Jonesy type character makes complete sense because that that character has always done those like ranting, raving about Spider-Man. And, and uh, the actor was so good doing those in the previous films. Well, yeah, just have him do those into a, into a camera rather than having trying to pretend that there's still print media when this movie is set in 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we find out Quentin Beck was able to I assume have someone else after his death, alter some footage to make it look like Spider-Man killed him and a bunch of other people. So question mark, is yeah. he dead? Uh, I think depends I, on the contract negotiations. <laughs> That's my, t- I think they left it so that yeah. he's, he's dead. If you want would be dead, but it would not be hard to bring him back later. It would also not be difficult to have one of the other scientists in the background pick up the tech and learn how to use it and take over. So you could have Mysterio back. Mysterio, I think, will be back. The question, will it be him or will it be a different guy? And Mm -hmm. I think they can do either one relatively easy. 
the well, one or, or they could even do both that he is actually dead but they still bring back the quentin beck character but we don't know it's a hologram at first yeah type situation so see my my assumption was the the way spider-man checks to make sure he's dead at the end is to ask edith if all the illusions are shut down yeah. and yeah all of edith's drones have shut down their illusions but he had that technology before he ever took Edith, which means he has drones outside of that system making illusions. Yeah. Well, even take it a step further, somebody on the online said, well, maybe this is a little tribute to horror fans, and the reason he was able to fool Spider-Man is because he used practical effects instead of special effects. <laughs> so he just, you know, he just made himself look dead. That Peter didn't, didn't use his spider sense to check, so... No. Uh, well, it's you said Spider Sense. It's called the Peter Tingle. It's called Spider Sense. They will come, <laughs> they will come up with the name Spider Sense in the next movie. Peter Tingle was a really good joke. <laughs> it's a good joke that maybe got used a little too much. But I feel like that's what made it funny because it was funny, and then it was overused, and then it came right back around to being funny again. But so, yeah. Um, anyways, come yeah. On Peter Tingle. So yeah, it's. It, yeah, and it completely outs him as Spider-Man, so everybody knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh, and frames him for all the destruction at the yes. same time. It's a it's a pretty masterful move. Yeah. Yep. And then we end we end on the same the same phrase that ended the last movie, which is "What the fuck?" and then cut <laughs> <open>. <laughs> credits. Pretty funny. I like that. I love that ending because what we still haven't gotten in the MCU is the Spider-Man that everybody hates and he's out there trying to save the day, mm-hmm. but he's also on the run from the cops and he's got to find a way to make a living. Now he can actually be, we also, I don't think it's a coincidence. They had him swinging around with his cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in the next movie, they've set it up so that he can be selling footage of himself to J. Jonah Jameson. Um, which would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, That's really interesting to me. Were either of you disappointed by the post post sequence? Because after that reveal, I was kind of like, Oh my God, please, 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 please let the post post sequence be Punisher or Craven watching that video. Mm. I was, I was so ready for it. I was like for, you know, you just to see like over Craven's shoulder or something and he'd be like, I'm going to kill the spider. (laughs) You know, I would definitely go with Craven. Like yeah. that's a character that has not been put on screen yet, and I feel like there's a lot you could, especially with like social media and quote unquote social media influencers or whatever nonsense. Um, Craven could be made into a really interesting character nowadays. Yeah, so I would love to see Craven going after him in the next movie. Well, and I mean, they're setting up. Sinister Six, right? They're placing all of these. That's one of the arguments saying Quentin Beck's probably not dead, is because mm-hmm. they want Mysterio back as as a member of the Sinister Six. If they can get Michael Keaton back and everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So that would also make sense to bring in Craven in the next movie, because I think he was a founding member of the Sinister Six. But yeah, so really- I get if we are wrong. I get the feeling that they're going with the darker version of J. Jonah and maybe the next bad guy they're planning is Scorpion. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they, they set him up in the first movie, yeah. Yeah. Well, something else somebody pointed out online. I wish I made notes of who pointed one out, but they're they could be moving towards like it's called Dark Rain or whatever, which is when the supervillains oh, yeah. take over the Avengers and have the idea of be like have this be the first step towards people no longer trust the superheroes, so then they start putting the wrong people in charge to fight them kind of thing. Which could be really interesting to play with in today's day and age. With the, the wrong people getting in charge to try to solve the problems from the right people who are trying to actually fix things. I, I could see that because they they have talked about making a Thunderbolts movie and making Thunderbolts and then following it up with like a Thunderbolts slash Avengers sequel and making it Dark Avengers would be really smart. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things that they've set up, I think, mm. going forward for Spider-Man. And mm. Just hope just, Sony doesn't fuck anything up, but I don't just, see how they can with the amount of money this movie's making. It's too bad we don't have Norman Osborn yet. Because he... Especially in the Dark Avengers storyline, he he was very Trumpian. Yeah, where yeah he gets in charge of shit and then just does everything for his own game. I feel like yeah, if they're starting to set that up, like he would be the perfect person to sort of build it all around. I find it weird that we haven't really got any uh, Oscorp like things, like not even Easter eggs or anything. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they've got. I mean, they've got years of movies planned, right? And so, I oh, think yeah. I think they'll get to all of that. I think everything we just said will happen. It's just a question of when, and if the movies keep making money, so they can keep bringing these guys back. Oh yeah, I'm all about it. I'm sure they got to figure it out. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, and then the the post credit sequence, we find out that Nick Fury and Maria Hill, this whole movie, were scrolls. Right. Which which is kind of, I think, an intentional slap in the face of uh, movie theorists. All right. <laughs> well, because people have been saying Nick Fury's a scroll ever since uh, Captain Marvel came out. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the line of, I can't eat toast if it's cut into triangles. Yeah. And, and, and in one of the Avengers movies, if you really pay attention, he eats toast that's cut into triangles. So they're like, see, that's n-. so what they're saying is that that's not Nick Fury and that Nick Fury's a scroll. and has been since the 90s or something like that, yeah. in, in which in this they say, well, some of the times he is a scroll. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's and the rest of the time. He's on this crazy space base building sword. Yeah. Yeah. I got excited for a second, and I was like, "Oh fuck! Are they are they fixing it? Are they bringing the scrolls back now as like a a force that they're you know integrating some sort of takeover? Is that going to be the next big like the big thing they're building towards, like secret invasion?" <laughs> right. No. Right, and that's the other thing that everybody thought it would be secret invasion too. So whenever you know the first one turned into a scroll, and I was like, "Oh man, everybody's right. That's really boring." And then whenever it turns out to be the two like kind of chill, dumpy scrolls, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, fuck those guys." <laughs> I have I have uh, watched one YouTube video where the guy went deep dive on it, and he's he convinced me that Nick Fury has been a scroll since. Since his last run on Agents of Shield, I'm not sure exactly when that was, but the big thing you'll notice is like in um, 
at the end of is it the end of Winter Soldier, when he goes undercover, he throws his eye patch away, and throughout that run on Agents of Shield, he wears just sunglasses over his eye, not the actual eye patch. And all of a sudden, in Age of Ultron, the eye patch is back. Well, where did he get it? If he's fake, mm-hmm. that explains it all, right? So that's probably <laughs> when he, because uh, apparently, if if you watch Agents of Shield, he basically cleans up what was left of Hydra to clean up and says like says something to the effect of like I got bigger things to deal with now mm-hmm. in theory that's when he would have left Earth and sent these guys to watch out for him and that's why he wasn't around for much of the last phase of movies mm-hmm. so I that's that's how I'm convinced of that now but it might change if I watch a different YouTube video because <laughs> coming out of the theaters I was like holy shit like has he been a scroll since the 90s like that blew my mind and i'm like so has, have aliens been controlling this whole avengers initiative this whole time so like, yeah well one of the big things that people are talking about is that uh when him and maria hill blipped or whatever the fuck you want to call it yeah they didn't transform back to scrolls i mean i don't know what that means i don't know why that would be a definite thing that would happen but yeah, why would they have to yeah i don't know I don't, and maybe there's some again like there are people who know a lot more about comic books than me so maybe there is something where if they were going to blip they should turn back to scrolls but i don't know that i i do like the fact that it's it's also kind of genius writing because about halfway through the movie i was kind of a little annoyed and i was like well this sure these illusions are good and stuff but this asshole would never pull this off on nick fury nick fury would he's so fucking paranoid he would have checked a thousand things by the time this dude's illusions came up. And then at the end for it to be the scroll, he's like, yeah, things kind of got out of hand. <laughs> I did love the wording of that. Things, things got a little, little exaggerated. It's like, okay. Um, so yeah, it, you know, again, they've set up, because I think there is a line of dialogue between them two where they make reference to Kree's being on Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which means they, something I thought of, I don't know, could that be the secret invasion? Maybe they flipped it where the Krees are doing it instead of the scrolls? I don't know. No. That's, that's, my new, that's my new theory about how it could still be secret invasion and they could be really fucking with us. Well, rethinking about Captain Marvel, one of the things that I'm disappointed about is that uh, a group of scrolls were not turned into cows. Because... <laughs> uh, was it one of the very first scroll stories? Like three or four scrolls were turned into cows and then mind wiped. So they literally just thought they were cows living on Earth. <laughs> and then like Yeah. They were like never referenced ever again. But then was it possibly brought up during Secret Invasion? Like that finally like had some weird like, you know, fifty years later, like some some whoever it was that was the main writer was like, what if we bring those cow scrolls back? And it's actually a, a decent plot point. Oh, I thought you were just going to tell me that there's like a scene where they're all sitting around having burgers. And that's just <laughs> we're all meant to believe that those are the same cows. Yeah, that'd be funny too. That'd be fine with that. <laughs> all right. So I would say definitely recommend from all three of us. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have my complaints, but that's not to say this wasn't a super fun movie to watch. Yeah. I kind of... Uh, the tonal stuff, 
I'd like to see an Ant Man Spider Man crossover movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Plus, it's just funny that they cross over Ant Man and Spider Man. What <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. Well, I kind of want a, a Spider Man Deadpool crossover, personally. But I just, I just, it would be so just, fucking hard. I just want. I don't, Deadpool, I don't want Deadpool part of the MCU. I want him doing his own thing. He can make jokes. They can have cameos, whatever. But I, I was going to say the problem is I think the thing that makes the Deadpool Spider-Man comic book so good is the constant running joke that Deadpool really, really wants to fuck Spider-Man. <laughs> and in the movie context, he's a child. Yeah, like, you got to age him up a bit first. Well, we could save it till after. Uh... After he graduates high school, yeah, I I I don't know. I just I I feel like Disney Disney's willing to like go pretty far. I just I can't see them allowing that. Probably not. Yeah, we can always hope. Well, I'll take it another another way though, and say like I can't see Disney allowing that, and I don't know if it would work. Like, would you want Tom Holland having some guy coming up behind him every two seconds? Talking about doing about the ass, and then the next movie we got to see him back on the like back doing his Spider-Man thing. I don't, I don't want that. That's you know what I mean. Like I, I don't think that can yeah. the universe. I, I feel like I could accept that joke in a Deadpool movie. Sure, and that's why. Like I again, like I don't. If there was a scene in a Deadpool movie where Deadpool's like running around town and he just stumbles across Spider-Man for two seconds. And they make this joke once, sure. But doing a right. movie where the two of them are together doing this and then having Spider-Man go back to being the character we know now is like, yeah. Right, um, or something like he has a Spider-Man calendar in his bathroom, yeah. something weird yeah. like that. Sure, I wouldn't care about that. So. Holy shit. So I'm looking up this roll cow thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... The joke you pulled out there, Doug, apparently they've insinuated that that may have happened. <laughs> uh, certainly, I'm looking at the uh, marvelfandom.com and it said it's difficult to say with any certainty which of the original three scroll cows may or may not have been slaughtered or involved with the tainting of the milk supply. <laughs> and then apparently they have multiplied because I guess, you know, they're having scroll cow babies. That makes sense. This as well has been stated, the squirrel meat from the slaughtered cows would cause mutagenic changes in humans who conserved it. Consumed it, there's only been four documented cases. Uh, by consuming the beef, they were endowed with the squirrel shape-shifting powers, as well as other superhuman abilities. So you're telling me that this is how they're bringing the X-Men in? <laughs> I hope so. That's what you just told me, is that they're going to bring the X-Men in by way of squirrel cows. Uh, I'm uh, down. I'm down. If they do that, it would be just one of those things where you're like, well, that is so ridiculous that you win. Like, that's just it. You just... (laughs) It was later revealed a fifth scroll was present and got hypnotized, not into a cow, but Reed Richards changed him into a duck. Uh, This is so ridiculous, but I want to read all of this. Uh, You got to do like a book report on that whole thing for us for next week. (laughs) Because I want to know all these details, but I don't want to read all those details. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.